The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, however and wherever you are doing so from. You're streaming us on 106onthefan.com, listening to us on the radio, or carrying us wherever you are at with the 106 on the Fan mobile app. We appreciate you for doing so. We are Our past episodes are up, so if you want to look those, uh, if you missed an episode or... Uh, oh, you got it fixed? Uh, some of it, yes, not all of it. So we're still working on some things. So if I go to my device right now... It's not going to be there. I don't think it will. There's no way. I know you've been working on it. Yeah, that's an understatement. You and a couple other guys here. Well, I, don't so. know. I wouldn't count them in the conclusion of this. I think it's <laughs> me alone, if I'm being honest. Uh, but we will hmm. one what? day. Oh, the, oh, it is an there. update. Look at that. Full court press from February 9th with our ugly mugs staring back at you. Yeah. Yeah. That picture is actually pretty cool. I actually like that picture. It's good. Uh, Eric France and I'm Ajay Salveson. <laughs> uh, I hope you're uh, having a uh, a wonderful. Is it Wednesday? So what Wednesday. went wrong Wednesday, right? Hump day. A what went wrong Wednesday, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, got a great show for you. We'll talk some Utah Jazz basketball. What a big win that was over the Boston Celtics, and I'll get ready to face the Milwaukee Bucks. Another tough one, and then the Sixers after that. So a nice little uh, challenge from the Eastern Conference here in Salt Lake City. Uh, Mr. John Hartwell, the Director of Athletics for Utah State, will join us at 5.05 tonight to talk all things Utah State Athletics. There's been some conversation about whether Utah State was going to play inside of Extra Mile Arena or elsewhere. Uh, and According to reports from Boise, Idaho, it will be inside of Extra Mile Arena that uh, there were, they were denied access. Uh, from what I was told, um, they phrased it, Boise... State reporters phrased it as as UNLV and Utah State were throwing hissy fits. That's quote-unquote. And that was probably coming from either someone inside the basketball program or an official at Boise State. That uh, the Aggies threw a hissy fit about it, which I would say that would not be even close to the case. It just, look, it is what it is. And then, uh Yeah. Anyways, long story short, Utah Such State drama. Broncos will be uh, will be in Extra Mile Arena next Wednesday and Friday for this. Just play the game. Just play the games. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll get. Why does it need to be so complicated? That and much more with uh, Mr. Hartwell uh, coming up in the five oh five hour of here on the full court press again. Great to have you all joining us wherever and however you're doing. So uh, last night was fun. Last night was absolutely terrific. And if you're a Utah Jazz fan. You've got to be starting to think, how good is this team really now at this point? Uh, final score from Vivint Smart Home Arena, Utah Jazz 122-108. Winners over the Boston Celtics. The Utah Jazz improved to their best record since 1996-97 at 20-5. They are 10-2 at home. Boston Celtics fall to 12-11 and 7-8 on the road. Uh, a lot of things stand out you know, uh, about you know what Donovan Mitchell did. What Joe Ingles was able to do in scoring a season-high 24, uh, Bogdanovich had 16 and 8, but 
your big focus and your big thought and factor was what Rudy Gobert did, especially late in the game. Yeah, it was fun to see what Donovan was doing, scoring and facilitating on almost every possession in those last few minutes to really pull away. But I, I think he, that's fun. and it, it was absolutely important and crucial. But we also have to look at what Rudy Gobert was doing defensively. Uh, they didn't get anything in the paint. They didn't get anything at the rim. Anything they did get were really challenging, tough shots. Guys went in there, had to back out, changed course. Rudy just owned the paint. He was so dominant. And uh, reaching up there and changing shots, challenging shots, and with his length and his athleticism, just gave him fits in the last couple of minutes. And then I thought it was so fun that Donovan started to get so much attention with what he was doing, dropping three-point shots in their eyes, that they start to collapse on him, and he sees Rudy roll into the rim and just lobs it to him or gets into him close. And so Rudy had some awesome dunks to close it out. It was really a one-two combination. I mean, you're right. We can't miss on what Joe Ingles' impact was because he had some big shots late too. But um, as fun as it is to talk about Donovan Mitchell and his night last night, it, it, you have to talk about the impact of Rudy Gobert. Um, David Locke did a great job today on social media going through and breaking down just the impact of Rudy Gobert in those last five, six minutes and uh, and how every time that, that Boston tried to close the gap a little bit, Rudy stepped up his defense, made it hard for him, and uh, they just they couldn't get anything going. Uh, he was a plus 23 on the night. <laughs> Number one among all players on the court. Rudy Gobert had the biggest impact. 18 points, 12 boards, 3 assists, 3 blocks. Great night for Rudy Gobert. And he's been so consistent for the Utah Jazz. Such a dominant player in the post. He doesn't get enough attention. Uh, by the way, before we go any further, sorry, I forgot to invite our wonderful listeners to text into the show if they wish. 435 Again, 435-339-0321 is the way to text in. Um, if you have unlimited texting, you can text as many times as you want. Or if you get charged one penny per text, it's one penny per text. But again, 435-339-0321. Uh, that's 16 of 17 for the Jazz now. 16 of the last 17 have been marked as a Jazz win. Uh, it's just impressive. Now, they did. I mean, they led by as many as 14. Boston did what Boston does. They do what, what good contending title teams do. They don't give up. They fight back. Uh, they cut it to about four. I think it was 108, 104 on a, a couple of freebies from Brown. I think one from Tristan Thompson as well. And then scored on the, the Jazz scored on the final. I believe six straight possessions, not including the uh, the turnover at the end of the game to uh, to call it a night. But I mean that's just that's just impressive. And, and like you said, it's it's Donovan Mitchell. Uh, just kind of getting in that zone, right? I mean, it just feels like he's f- getting a feel for the game, for the opponent, and then all of a sudden he just turns a switch and it's it's off. Yeah, it was a close game, and uh, all of a sudden the Jazz go on a seven-point run, 7-0 run in like 50 seconds. It was bang, bang, bang. Donovan, Joe, Donovan, Rudy on a rim rocker, um, and the Jazz just all of a sudden blitzed the other team and just... Kills their spirit. And what's awesome, what the Jazz are doing, pretty incredible here, is that how many wins they have by double digits. And 
Yeah, some of these teams are that they've been facing have been mediocre or average or even a few below average, but there have been some really good teams too. Well, and when you don't have Mike Conley, that matters, by the way. Like, not having Mike Conley can really affect you one way or another. And, again, they're, what they're doing without Mike Conley is pretty darn impressive. In fact, again, Mitchell, going back to him, Eric, he either scored or recorded an assist on each of the last seven Jazz baskets. I mean, that just – it shows that he's getting better as a decision maker, especially in closing moments or in clutch minutes. He's just – he's getting better at making decisions – and not turning over the ball, not taking a bad shot, uh, reading what the reading what the defense has given him. In fact, over the last five games, Mitchell's averaging about what twenty eight and a half points, six and a half assists. Uh, he's he's been so so good as of late. Yeah, uh, it's what this Jazz team is is doing. We really haven't seen this before, at least not in the Utah Jazz team. It's kind of like Houston did a few years ago. They'd play four out with Clint Capella uh, in the uh, manning the paint and four shooters everywhere else. Um, it's it's fun to watch what this Jazz team is doing. Um, but it, in the first half, those outside shots weren't really falling for the Jazz, so they shifted and they used Gobert a little bit more, so that they could keep pace. They didn't fall behind; they kept pace until those shots started to fall, and then they adjusted. And the other thing that was fun to watch was just the coaching uh, chess match that was going on in the fourth quarter. Uh, Boston started to make some adjustments that the Jazz were having a hard time figuring out. And they ran a play that they got a good action off of and, and an easy point. Um, they came back and did a pretty much a similar play, but it went out, it leaked off to another player in the corner, and they got a good look at it. And uh, Quinn Snyder quickly called two timeouts in a short amount of time. Yeah. It's like, hey, we, come on, guys. we got to get this figured out here. You can't let them continue to do this. And it, it was fun to watch. A great coaching on both sides. Great individual performances. You know, Jalen Brown had been missing a few games. He came back. He was tough to handle yeah, the I first half. Good. But as the game went on, Jazz made some adjustments, and he wasn't nearly as effective. Uh, 5760, thanks for texting the show. Welcome. Good to have you. All the Jazz players stepped up. But I thought Royce O'Neal's defense on Tatum was huge. And actually, it's about to what I was about to say, too. I thought Royce O'Neal was absolutely fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. Guarding Tatum is not an easy thing to do. Contesting Tatum's shot because of his length is not an easy thing to do. And I thought he did both extremely well, Eric. I was really, really impressed with Royce O'Neal's defense, as 5760 mentioned. Well, that's, that's Royce O'Neal. Uh, he's really improved. Um, there's been some times where we get frustrated by Royce. Uh, I think he got he got roasted in the playoffs by Jamal Murray, but I think he's improved a little bit. And I think the team understands effectively how to work together on switches and funneling the defense to Rudy Gobert if they can. And you're right, uh, Tatum, great player, uh, but they held him pretty much in check. He was a minus 21 in his plus minus. He did finish with 23 points, four boards, and four assists, but it did not come easy. Uh, eight of those points came at the free throw line. So uh, some of his shots, he really struggled because Rudy Gobert was down there. Now, Tice kind of had an unbelievable night He was from good, beyond the arc. Yeah, he was good. The Jazz are like, okay, we'll let that guy shoot threes. Uh, and he made five, which was very uncharacteristic. That's a season high, too. Yeah. Uh, but 
Kemba Walker was missing in action. Uh, Jalen Brown slowed down in the second half. He wasn't as effective. Tatum wasn't as effective uh, late. Um, just great effort by the Jazz defensively and how they were able to change some things and then starting to get on, on, on fire and have that confidence shooting with their, uh, their offense, in the, especially in that fourth quarter, when it was still kind of a tight game. And then all of a sudden, like that, they just run away into a double-digit victory. Again, if you want to text into the show, 435-339-0321. I just got a text from Cody who says he felt like Oni did a great job on defense last night as well. I'm glad you brought him up. It was kind of interesting to see how early they brought him into the rotation. Uh, He was playing with starters in the first half. I mean, Normally, we don't see Oni until garbage time in the second. Um, but uh, they they used him. I thought that was an interesting move to use Oni yeah. earlier on. Surprising and I thought worked. he played some good defense. He was aggressive, going to getting some rebounds as well. He had a steal on the night. So uh, I, yeah, I was impressed to see Oni out there getting some good work in. Three four two six. The only bad thing about the Jazz winning streak and Donovan Mitchell learning, growing, and playing better is that Shaquille O'Neal is taking all the credit for it. Uh yeah. This guy. Here's the thing: is as as he continues to do this, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, playing this shtick of, like, you know, I'm going to attack the Jazz and take credit for when they play great, it's really making him look bad all around the country, not just in Utah, but I think other teams and other players, and I know... Even uh, other analysts uh, yeah, and, on yeah, his own that's show. That's exactly on his show, kind of think it's 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 a joke what he's doing. And, he, and, the, and the thing is, is he thinks it's cute and it's funny, but when it comes from a former Hall of Famer, it sounds really petty, gross... Uh, arrogant, which, I mean, that's who Shaquille O'Neal is. Just ask him about Kobe's career, and he he doesn't want to talk about it because he's (laughs) so jealous. He did more last night to defend why he's doing that um, than we've seen him do. Um, It's his way of trying to motivate. I don't know that the players give him as much credibility as maybe he thinks he he deserves. Uh, I'm sure he's going to take credit. He was going to take credit no matter what. Like, yeah, see, he wasn't that great. He couldn't go to the next level. Or, yep, see, because of what I said, he's uh, he's having a great game. Thing is, Donovan hasn't changed. He's been he was great before the comment, and he's been great since the comment. Yeah. Uh, this is courtesy of Tim. Oh, actually, hold on. Before actually, never mind. Yeah, let's go. This is courtesy of uh, Tim McMahon, who's done a great job from ESPN side of covering the Utah Jazz. He's been phenomenal. Donovan Mitchell's last four starts at point guard. You ready for this? 57 points on 19 of 33 shooting and 7 assists. 30 points on 10 of 14, 8 assists. 27 points on 9 of 24 and 11 assists. And 36 points, 12 of 23 on 9 assists. That's his last four starts at point guard. I, It works. I mean, am I, I... I'd like to have Mike Conley back just to, to take a little bit more pressure off of Donovan Mitchell to get the ball out of his hands a little bit and allow him to roam around. But, hey, when you're putting up numbers like this, that's that's pretty impressive, as long as he's not forcing the action. Yeah, that, that's that's the key. And I think he's, uh, he's, he's getting a little better at that. There's a few times where he'll still try to force something, but he's trusting his teammates more. He's got playmakers, guys that can handle the ball, guys that can shoot the ball, uh, and he's got an amazing center. That makes uh, life really difficult for anybody who wants to try to switch or double. Um, like, who do you pick up? The guy that's going to roll to the rim and dunk on you, or the guy that if you go under the screen, 
is going to drop another three over the top of you. Um, so they've really made it tough for teams to uh, to defend. But the thing is with this Jazz team, and it was part of the uh, interesting discussion last night on the uh, after the game was done, was uh, can this team, as good as the record is and as fun as they are to watch, how well can they contend with a physical Lakers team, for example? Uh, Denver was a little more physical with them. Detroit was physical with the Jazz in the second half of their game. And teams that are going to be, that will do that, but still have playmakers, that's where we'll really find out about this Jazz team. And we've talked about this a lot over the last week. The Jazz are coming into some real teeth of their, of their schedule yeah, they here. They a brutal schedule. I mean, it, it's not that it's been soft to this point, but it's one brutal team after another for two straight weeks. But you know what? So far, two games into it, they're handling it very well. Right? Yeah, I'm not complaining right now. Again, they got Milwaukee. That's Friday night at 7 p.m. That game will not be on the fan because Skyview Basketball will be taking over the airwaves. And then it's a back-to-back of Milwaukee and Miami. So Miami at 7 p.m. on Saturday and then Philadelphia on Monday night at 7. Then it's on the road uh, Wednesday and Friday against the Clippers. Home against Charlotte, home against the Lakers, back on the road for a brutal trip. Miami, Orlando, New Orleans, Philadelphia to close out the first half of the NBA season. Second half of the schedule will, will be released just before the All-Star break. Um, so here's let's get into this conversation now, Eric. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's on this tear. The Jazz have the best record in the league, but in according to NBA.com Power Rankings, Donovan Mitchell is the seventh best player in the league. Uh, trailing a bunch of superstars. When do we start to get to maybe a conversation that Gobert or Mitchell needs to be at least thought of in the MVP race? Or is this, I mean, are they just not doing enough and it's too much team and not enough individual? Well, uh, I think a lot of it is still people thinking about last year or previous years. Like, I, I thought it was ridiculous on the conversation last night, people saying they'd rather take Russell Westbrook uh, than Donovan Mitchell on their team. Yeah, that's stupid. I'm, I'm, yeah. You look at where Russell Westbrook is right now with Washington, and look at where Donovan Mitchell's at, and that should tell you your answer. If you can't figure it out, then quit watching basketball, please. So uh, wins matter, right? Absolutely. Uh, what do you do? Does it help your team win? Twenty and five right now, best record since ninety six, ninety seven. So the, the other guys that are on that list, if what they're doing, are they helping their teams win, and are they helping their team teams win at a very high level? Actually, you know what? You you mentioned it. I'm going to actually – I'm curious now because I hadn't even looked at it and because I, I just didn't even want to – Because, like, if Trey Young is on there, I mean, that's just – that's kind of silly. It just, if he's ahead of Donovan Mitchell, it's embarrassing. All right. As of right now, the following – I'm going to make sure I got the right list here. Uh, the following are ahead – of Donovan Mitchell, LeBron James, who's at one. That's fine. Jalen okay. B, Nikola Jokic, I agree. Kevin yep, Durant. Those guys are all in the MVP discussion. I think those are legit. Kawhi Leonard, Giannis. This is where it gets funny. Uh, Paul George, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, and then Donovan Mitchell. So uh, Dallas yeah. is currently 11-14. and 14. One of the worst teams in the Western Conference. Only Oklahoma City and Minnesota 
have worse records than Dallas. Oh, sorry. Steph Curry's in that list, too. That's your top 10. And Donovan's not in the top 10? Nope. He's in the honorable mention part with Bradley Bill, uh, Sabonis. That's unreal. Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown. Wow. That's harsh. Okay, I mean, with Steph Curry, he's making Golden State a legitimate playoff team right now. Without him, they weren't. Uh, they're currently sitting at eighth in the standings. Yeah. Uh, we saw Jason Tatum. Decent, you know, good player. On Sunday, we saw DeMontis Sabonis. Good player. But what did the Jazz do to both of those guys? Held them below their averages. Well, Donovan Mitchell was above his averages in those games against those opponents, those teams. Granted, he's not guarding them specifically and vice versa. But Donovan elevated his game against those two teams specifically while those two guys, their games diminished. So what is it going to take? Maybe if the Jazz can continue on this pace that they're on through this really tough schedule, maybe then they'll start to get more recognition uh, when we get to the All-Star break. If they're still number one in this brutal Western Conference after what they had to get through in February, if there's not more discussion like that, then we really got to be pulling out the pitchforks and yeah, the torches. Absolutely. Uh, three, four, two, six. I love the next up mentality. Uh, add no drop off in productivity, personal pride of every one of them. I hope they can keep it up when they are all healthy. Uh, and, and that's the thing is I think Quinn Snyder actually talked about this in his post game presser when I was listening to the radio station here on 106 on the fan that Quinn said, we, we could care less about the winning streak. We don't care about our number one ranking. All we care about is winning. That's all we care about besides getting better. If we get better, we're going to win games. If we win games, we're going to be the number one seed. That's how he put it together. So it's getting better, winning, and then being the number one seed. Everything else is just whatever. doesn't matter. And that's the mentality you got to have right now. And I think there is a mentality of the Jazz that, hey, look, we're 20-5 and five and nobody in the NBA gives a crap. And I think that's what sets them off a little. And that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we don't want that uh, that recognition. Keep that chip on these guys' shoulders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, some bad news for the Utah Jazz, though. In fact, incredibly concerning. Uh, Ozzy Buki in his uh, Salt Lake City Stars game today went down with an incredibly gruesome injury. It is, there is a video of it, but I strongly encourage you not to watch it. He was carried off by a stretcher, um, and if I was a betting man based on what the injury is, you won't see him on the court the rest of the year. Uh, it's 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 pretty bad and it's uh it's not pretty in any uh, way. That's too form. bad. So Azibuki is uh, has been injured in today's and today. Today's the first day for uh, G League, right? It is. Yep. So uh, it, yeah, that's a huge shame. Uh, I heard uh, Sam Merrill kind of struggled a little bit with his shooting, but yeah. he still tried to be involved and engaged. But they had a rough night, a rough day in scoring. Yeah, two of thirteen from the field, I believe. Uh, I think he was always six from deep. If I, read uh, I think that's right. I was six from deep, and he finished with like three points, four points. So, uh, yeah, a rough day for Sam. He'll get the swing of it. I mean, the guy hasn't had a lot of minutes. It, he'll get back into game mode, and he'll be okay. 31 minutes of play, five points, two of 13 from the field, 0 from six from three. Um, Had uh, three rebounds, three assists, and one steal. Play again Thursday at 130. They'll get it. 
he'll be all right. He'll he'll get back into it. When you sit the bench that long, it's it's kind of hard to be. Like, oh yeah, I'm back in game mode now. So he he'll be okay. Uh, I I no doubt about it. Ooh, I didn't see this. Uh, New Mexico and Colorado State they've had their series canceled. Oh, you didn't see that? No. <laughs> yeah, that came out last night. In fact, it was about excuse thir- me postponed. We have to use the proper words here. Yeah, that uh, that's intriguing. It was about 30 minutes before game time. Uh, Colorado State was just uh, coming onto the floor. Uh, or I think, yeah, Colorado State was. And then a Colorado State official uh, ran over to, uh, to, I believe, the officials. And they went to the scores table. They had a quick discussion. Both teams were escorted off. And that was that. Um, there was a positive from, well, there was to me. Uh, Scott Padgett was around an individual who had tested positive. Now, Coach Scott Padgett, former member of the Utah Jazz, did not have any symptoms. In fact, the New Mexico Lobos did not test positive, coaches or players, but uh, felt like due to caution, there was a quote-unquote mutually agreement that they would uh, just postpone the series and they should not play this week. So, uh, another delayed series. That open week is now becoming very busy for the Mount West Conference, extremely busy. For the Mountain West Conference, right? It's gonna. the The real question here is, what does the Mountain West do? Because there will there will be teams who will not have as many conference games as others. How does that affect seeding? Question for John Hartwell. Maybe he has an answer for that. Yeah, I'll save it for the experts on that one. That's a good question, though. It's it's a great question. Again, a reminder that uh, Mr. John Hartwell will be uh, on our show at five oh five. We'll. You know, talk all things Aggies with him. Excited to talk with him about what, I mean, and, and there's been some major improvements and some great things, too. I mean, Kayla Ard, they, look, that women's team, do they have a winning record? No, but are they competing? Yeah, you darn well bet you. I, I like to compete. And, For certain stretches, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, dude, you wouldn't have got this from Coach Finkbeiner last year. You would have got walled by 30 points. Coach well, Ard brings out a competition in him. Yeah, They've also been walloped by 30, 40 points in a few games. By some quality basketball teams, yeah. though. But yeah. it's not a consistent basis. No. Uh, look, it, she's a new coach. And not just here, but she's just new. She's a new head coach. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's going to take some time. Uh, and it seems to be uh, some positive things coming out of that team. And hope that it continues and starts to translate into some wins. But, um, yeah, it's been a kind of a, a, a tough challenge for the USU women's basketball team. But they have been competitive in some of their games. Yeah, I will say that. As would I. All right, uh, let's go to break. Coming back, we're going to talk some NFL Hall of Fame. The class was in, or uh, the class was announced for the 2021 class. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Tom Brady had a very good time on his uh, boat parade today, if you've seen any video of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tipsy Tom! Zach Wilson is being compared to a great quarterback. Uh, the former quarterback down south is, uh, is looks like he'll be a first-round quarterback draft pick. Where and wh- how high he could go uh, is what I think is blowing people's minds. So we'll get into that and much, much more here on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, uh, Jay Salveson on 106 on the fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, the fan. Full Court Press, Eric Franson, Jay Salveson, welcome back. 435-339-0321 if you want to text. I'd always love to hear from you uh, wherever and however you are joining us. 
Uh, a couple of things before we get to the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, oh, dude. NBA wants to have a halftime dunk contest. Yeah, the I was going to talk game. about that. I was going to bring that up. I like that idea. Why? It makes the halftime interesting. And then you don't have to do it on another day where you bring a bunch of people in for the dunk contest. You can contain it a little bit better. That's true. That's a good point. You contain it. Yeah. I don't know. I like, and here's the thing: is it's a way to introduce players who aren't all stars. Nobody wants to opportunity go. to get nobody noticed. wants to be in it. I don't think that's true. You've had one main voice say he thinks it's dumb, and a guy who's not going to be an all star question whether it should happen or not. And that's it. Giannis, Giannis says he doesn't want to do it. I didn't heard that. Yeah, Giannis says he doesn't want to go. He'd rather go and spend time with his family. Uh, but the league is is working on that right now of having a halftime dunk all-star contest. Well, it's, it's currently all-star game is scheduled March 7th in Atlanta. Uh, Three-point shootout and skills competition also expected to be part of the uh, Sunday night event. So is that kind of the lead-up? That's got to be. I would I suspect. I guess the more uh, of the the format and what those protocols will be that will all be announced uh, later this week. But it's definitely scaled down than what you normally would see on an All Star weekend. Players are expected to arrive in private planes on Saturday, stay in private accommodations away from hotel crowds, and leave immediately after the game on Sunday night. Hmm. Sounds sounds rough. Gosh. I get to go on a private plane, stay in a private accommodation, away from crowds of people. No, it's, it's not I get that. to participate Hold on. It's not that. in it's, the exhibition it's the fact for the fans. That they want to just go home and spend time with their family. They don't want to go play in an all-star game. They'll have time. This is a much scaled-down version of what you normally would see. Usually all-star week festivities, you're there for three, four days. But you're only doing there, stuff. But you only get five days off. You got five days and that's it. Yeah. You just rather go home and just spend You'll what have time days, to one do that. five. You get maybe a couple days, and then you got to get back on the road yeah. and go travel again. I don't... Wow. That's so hard. That's rough. It is because you've been you gotta, playing so you much get to basketball get on a private plane. in the span of a year. Like, like the, I mean, like LeBron, he's played 71 games, right? And he they finished up in July or August, I believe. Had a little bit of time off. Had to go back to camp. Then they start a season. He always wants to rest. Just rest. Not play. He can opt out. No one's saying he has to be there. But the problem is if he opts out, then everyone, just like you, is going to be like, well, you know, these superstars are opting out and they don't want to play. And they're okay, being l- babies. Let's roll this back. What? What's the purpose of an all-star game? Why do we have them? Uh... I mean, I actually, you know what? That's a great question because I don't know. They're such a waste. What are we doing with it? No, I don't want your opinion of oh, okay. what it is or not, but okay. based Sorry. on wh- why are they there? Why does Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, why do they have, why do they have an all-star game in the middle of the season? NFL is different. We're going to yeah. treat that differently. But why, so, so you're asking why, me, why do they have an all-star game Why do these professional the leagues, why do they have all-star games, and why are they done in the middle of the season? 
I'm not saying I have a right answer. No. Just, what, yeah. Why? Let's have this discussion. Like, why do they exist? That's he. That I. But I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know. So I would, I would offer the answer that they exist as an exhibition for the fans to highlight the best players of the game, all in one place, and they get to compete against each other on that one day. We celebrate the season that they've had so far. Wait, and it's it's a it's an on. accomplishment. Hold on. So we we're doing this so we can celebrate the middle of the season. We celebrate what they've been able to do, the type of player that they are. No, we can do that at the end of the year with the awards. We don't need to do it in the middle of the season. Then why do we do why have we been doing it in the middle of the season? No, I, I'm for with you. I decades. don't I, I don't know why. And I think it's and for a, over a hundred years in baseball. Why do we do it in the middle of the season? I I don't know because it's it because honestly it's a bad decision. It's a bad decision to have an All Star game. What you These just want to have like a week holiday where everybody yeah, just yes. takes a break? Yes, and the whole Eric, the whole sport Kate, shuts hold on. down. You go play an eighty two game sport. season. You go play an eighty two game season. You're gonna want to go home and see your family. You want to just have some days off. You go work eighty two straight days. I have my family with me when I'm at home. At, when I'm at home, but you don't see him that much when you're on the when you're playing professional basketball. Sure, you're on the road a lot. Yeah, we have practices. Nine eight three five. Eric is a hundred percent correct. All star game is for the benefit of the fans. Yes, but the fans hate it too. No, the yeah they do. If that were true, no one would tune in. They all no, they, no sponsor, one does tune in. No one does tune in. No one tunes in. No one tunes in. To watch the NBA All-Star Game. No one sure as heck tunes in to watch the NFL Pro Bowl. And I don't think a lot of people tune in to watch the uh, MLB All-Star Game. Like so it's, 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 an, it's, it's just, an exhibition it's, for the fans. It's jungle ball. But and, it's and, also, it means something for these players. You get significant financial bonus if you go to the uh, NBA All-Star Game. You're that, considered yeah. an All-Star. It could really affect your whole your contract. Not just from the exposure that you get and potential endorsements to say, yeah, I'm an all-star. For the rest of your life, you will be known as an all-star. No, okay. Gordon Hayward is an all-star player. He only went once. No, 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 no. He's not an an all-star player. He was a former all-star player. But you would always say, you would always attach all-star to Gordon Hayward's name forever. I mean, look, if I were to have a... And that's better than... No, hold on. If some we were other to have a celebration, never I'm it. not going to be like, and the one-time all-star, Gordon Hayward. I'm not going to say that. That sounds dumb. Now, if he's a 12-time all-star, then yeah, probably. But, uh, let's see, 9835, isn't being an NBA all-star also a requirement for a Supermax contract? Some, yes, not all. I think it depends on your incentive. I don't think it is a requirement for a Supermax. Though. I think it's if uh, you're first team or second mm-hmm. team, mm-hmm. or if you get like a defensive player, defensive of the year. player, MVP. Yeah. All uh, Rudy Gobert. But I don't know. That all-star, making an all-star game could be part of that too. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it is either. But it, it could be. I just don't see the excitement of going to, like, especially for these players. With five days off and a a shortened season, and already playing into August for uh, uh, some of these guys, having an All Star game, just cut it, 
Let the players go home and rest. We'll come back and play basketball. Like you talk about all of us, the best players oh, so, in the world against each other. So You see that during the regular season. You'll see it during the playoffs. So you see more wisdom in saying, let's shut down. Let's send everybody who knows where. And just you know, do your best to follow protocols, but we won't. You won't be in our system, so we won't be able to test you and monitor you. When you, you come back, you're being tested. When you come back, you're still being tested. It doesn't matter. Wherever you're going to go. You're being tested when you come back. It's not going to matter. And by the way... There's so much more risk just turning them loose and just shutting everything down. The NBA needs exposure. They need the money. They need to have the All-Star game. And the fans want it. They don't need the exposure. Uh, 9315, Ajay, why would they not want the money? There's not a lot of money involved that they get from it, is there? Yes, there sure is. I, I wouldn't say that. When there's like seven zeros or eight zeros attached, yeah, that's great. That and means you have a, lot. a And you have a 40% decline from last year's All-Star game in TV ratings. It's not going to look that great. You're going to regret it. 3426 has a good idea. Yeah. Why don't they have the NBA Hall of Fame dunk contest? Oh, Okay, okay. Guys still have to yes. be able to jump. Okay, well, yeah. Well, no, okay. Don't calm down, all right? Bring back Vince Carter no. out of retirement. Okay, oh my. Would you stop and just play along? 342. I like I no, 3426. You know what? Since Eric's being a bully, I want to ask you, 3426, if you had a dunk contest and you could take anybody from their prime, give me your five contestants. And and it can be in their prime. Anybody you want. Five contestants in their Ooh. prime. Oh, now you want to play, huh? Yeah. Well, if I can magically turn back the clock and bring Dominic well, Wilkins yeah, that's back. What do, you, what do you think he's saying? Yeah, that would be give fun. Me, give me give me, 250-pound, 45-year-old Jason Richardson back up there. <laughs> he's going to give you the jelly donut dunk? No. No, 3426. Give me your five prime contestants, and they could be retired or current, however you want to do it, that you'd have in the dunk contest. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Here's who I would take: Vince, MJ, Doctor J, Dominique, and for kicks, I would take Spud Webb. Ooh, that'd be fun. Throw a little bit of a curveball at everybody, because you have all. But all those are slam dunk champions, by the way. Dominique, MJ, Doctor J, Spud Webb, and Vince. Definitely, you would need to have Vince Carter there. Oh, yeah. Um, Dominique. So I'm debating Zach Levine or Aaron Gordon. You'd really invite one of those two? Oh, their dunks were so creative. I really thought about Jason Richardson Prime. Dude, because his, his dunk contest in 02 is so underrated. Is so underrated. He never will get enough credit for that. His dunk contest was phenomenal. But the problem was is that he was a year after Vince Carter. And so everyone was like, <laughs> you know. It, it's always tough to, I, I felt, to follow that dude, act. You, you know what you, you should do is go back and watch the Vince Carter dunk contest. <laughs> I felt so bad for Tracy McGrady in that group. I think it was Tracy McGrady that was after Vince, three of those four dunks. I mean, it was just crickets. Like, everyone's just buzzing about Vince, and all of a sudden, you know, McGrady puts one off the backboard and reverses it for a sweet jam. On his first try, it was gorgeous. And everyone's like, 
Okay, so anyways, did you do Vince Carter's dunk? Which Can we just see another and, replay of what and, Vince yeah, just exactly. did? Exactly, <laughs> and that's the problem. Is even the analysts, I think it was Marv Albert and all the analysts, like McGrady does this, and I think McGrady had one going from baseline left to right and threw it down on his first attempt. I mean, it was great. But guess what the analysts started doing? Talking about Vince Carter. I, I was like, oh, man, McGrady, I feel bad for that guy. Uh, three, so four, you're, you're proving why we need to have the uh, – no, the All-Star because, weekend, no, no, hold on. And why we need the dunk, dunk contest, contest is not what it was 20 years ago. Just a few, it was great just a few years ago. They, Zach Levine, Aaron no, Gordon, it's Aaron rigged. Gordon, and uh, it's Jones, they, like, they needed to keep adding more rounds it's a because it was so contest fun. because the ratings are dying. It's a rigged contest. No, each one was creative no. and different, and these guys were above the They're trying the rim. to extend it for ratings and for TV. It's rigged and it's a sham. It's an absolute sham. And Three four two six has his answer. Give me it. Spud Webb. Oh, goes yeah. He took Spud. All right. Michael Jordan. Yes. Larry Johnson. Oh, Larry. Doctor J. About LJ. Grandmama. And I know you'll laugh, but Chris Webber. Even though no. he's not inducted yet, but no. maybe on that two twenty twenty one ballot. And don't give me a no. Timeout. No, I will not laugh at you. I Chris Webber ever laugh. participate in the dunk contest? No, he didn't. But, dude, he was athletic as all get out. He was incredibly talented. I would have loved to see Chris Webber in a dunk contest. There is, yeah, I'm with Seeing a big man six. throw it down? Yeah. Dude, I just, I mean, he was athletic. He could get up, man. I mean, he could, like, I still remember there's a, I think it was an article on well, the Well, we Dream saw, Team. like, Andre Drummond. We've seen. Yeah. Um, Dwight Howard, Howard. Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight Howard. We've seen big we've dude. I honestly, I think he would be so good. He would have been incredible to watch. Larry Johnson's a good choice. I think about him. Uh, three, four, two, six says he won the college dunk contest. Yeah. Ah, I told okay. you. Like I'm telling you, he would have been so good. That I like that list. Uh, so why we need to have the dunk contest? No, and the and the all star no. game. No. Uh, nine three one five. Who would you pick from the Jazz to be the best dunk contest player? There's only one guy, Joe Ingles. <laughs> Donovan, right? Jordan Clarkson. I don't know if he can get up though. Uh, yeah, he could throw it down. Six years ago, but yes, I don't know that. But he I don't know if flair. it's what. Yeah, yeah. The creativity. Donovan Mitchell would be great. Again, he won it one time. He it was yeah. rigged for Donovan Mitchell to win it, but that's fine. Not a big deal. Rigged. No, it was rigged. Everything's rigged. It was rigged, dude. For you. Stop it. All right. Uh, uh, two quick notes of uh, NFL news. We'll get through these uh, briefly. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, seventh winning his coach in NFL history. He died at 77. By the way, and then uh, Pedro Gomez, MLB yeah. reporter, passed away. Sad. Dude, like this has been a crappy week of deaths. Um, uh, but uh, Coach Schottenheimer, he, he took San Diego, who hadn't had a winning season in eight consecutive years, uh, Went and took them to a, uh, he took them to the AFC divisional round. I or I guess well, no, yeah, divisional round against the Patriots. He had the best record in the league with incredible talent. Just could never win the big game. That was his biggest issue. Uh, but uh, he was a great coach. A lot of players spoke very, very highly of him. He was obviously in Kansas City as well for quite some time. Um. He, but he passed away of Alzheimer's disease, and again, he was at the age of 77. 
Sad yeah, battling there. dementia. Yeah, that's so tough. It's a uh, it's a hard thing. Uh, Hall of Fame class has been announced. Here's what it looks like. Peyton Manning, of course, is your first ballot Hall of Famer. In fact, one beat writer he said it best. It took me 13 seconds to plead Manning's case, and he was on the list. Uh, number one pick in the uh, 98 draft. Uh, him and the Ryan Leaf conversation. I think we've all heard that before. And then it became Page, uh, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady for so many years. And Peyton Manning, who uh, winner of two Super Bowls, one with the Colts, one with the Broncos. Um, great, great choice there. Honestly, one of the best to ever do it. Charles Woodson, the former Michigan man, former uh, teammate of Tom Brady, uh, one of the best defensive backs in his era. He was also the only, I guess, one of only two college football players to win the Heisman Trophy as a defensive player. Yeah. That's incredible. Crazy good impact player. He was also a fourth overall pick in that 98 draft class. That's incredible. Uh, the most controversial of them all, Calvin Johnson makes it the list. Unbelievable. Uh, he was consistent in dominating the game, but his numbers do not back it up long enough to say that he should be in the Hall of Fame right now. He is a three-first-time All-Pro and a member of the 2010's All-Decade team. Eric, give me your thoughts on that really quickly. Uh, I, Megatron. I thought he was a great wide receiver. Um, a good player in a, in a bad organization. Look, Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson, they at least made him competitive, but they could never quite get over the hump. But Calvin Johnson, that's not Calvin Johnson's fault. He was a dynamic wide receiver, big, physical. He was fun to watch. I I don't think that one's controversial. Uh, and then Drew Pearson, who, by the way, was a senior finalist for the 2021 class. He makes it in his 11 seasons, uh, all with the Cowboys. Uh, the undrafted free agent. He was a three-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and a member of the 70s All-Decade team and a Super Bowl champion as well. He caught 489 passes for just over 700 or 7,800 yards. Uh, Allen, is that Phoenicia, I believe, uh, of the Steelers? Uh, offensive lineman with the Steelers. Um, part of one of those uh, great squads. He spent 10 seasons with the Steelers. Uh, blocked for guys like Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker. Big, big man. Uh, he gets to call Bill Nunn, also a Steeler. Is, uh, and it will be inducted in. John Lynch, this is another one. I don't agree with this one either. Um, but, uh, yeah. Why not? As a lifelong Tampa Bay fan, you should be happy. No, no, I that I'm he not. got this. I mean, come no. on, right? He's your guy. No, he's not my guy. He played for the Broncos too. He's a backstabber. <laughs> um, John Lynch, though, was an All Pro. He was a third round pick in '93. Uh, he had 26 picks, 13 sacks, 16 forced fumbles. Led the Bucks to a Super Bowl in 2002. Um, then played uh, with the Broncos for his final four seasons. Uh, also is uh, helped lead the Bucks to a championship this year. So John Lynch makes the list. Tom Flores as well has made the list. He's one of four coaches who have won two Super Bowls and had not been inducted into the Hall of Fame. That now has been changed. He was the Raiders coach for ten seasons in the NF in the excuse me, in the AFL with the Raiders, Bills, and Chiefs. And then uh, let's see, hired in '79 by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, went 91 and 56. Uh, Five postseason appearances, two Super Bowl titles in 80 and 83, one of those with Jim Plunkett. Um, so Tom Flores also has made the list. So that's your list for the 2021 class. Yeah. I, I, three really questionable picks. Everyone else is good to go. <laughs> Maybe the only thing with Calvin Johnson is just he, – he's just one of those guys that you wish could have stayed in the league longer. Mm. Um, impact player, just 
kind of retired early, 35 years old. Um, Obviously, some players can have longer careers than others, but um, I I thought it was a good class. Even though you were uh, bagging on John Lynch, your former Tampa Bay Buccaneer lifer guy. He played four years with the Broncos. I don't (laughs) know. Absolutely not. Let's take a break. Coming back, we're wrapping up the first hour. John Hartwell at 5.05. The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full court press here, wrapping up hour number one. Hey, this is pretty cool what uh, the Cash Valley Media Group has got going on. There is a contest that is going to be held called the Best of Northern Utah, which is presented by Thermal Fisher, and it's almost here. Start nominating the best businesses in Northern Utah on February 23rd. Businesses must be nominated in order to be voted on by the community for Best of Northern Utah 2021. Nominate your business or a business you love starting February 23rd at bestofnorthernutah.com. Dot com is again it's presented by Thermal Fisher where they are hiring again you go to bestofnorthernutah.com really cool contest that we have going here Eric so excited for it uh, it's a third party it's handling a lot of the voting and the tabulation it's not just a couple of us sitting around a room and picking our favorites so it's truly for the people by the people uh, best sports analyst in Northern Utah <laughs> John Hartwell coming yeah. up next hour stick around. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Not long ago, we had player coaches in professional sports, like Bill Russell and Lenny Wilkins in the NBA, Pete Rose in baseball. But now we appear to be on the era of player general managers. At least that's the way some people are viewing a recent trend towards player empowerment. Maybe it started with NBA super teams. People have been calling LeBron a GM for years, mostly in a disparaging way. But it's true. Basketball players have been able to pick their teammates. Now the trend is spreading to football. Tom Brady started it, brought in some of his guys to Tampa. Now Russell Wilson says he wants input on the roster. Kyler Murray retweeted someone who said, the team needs to focus on building the offensive line. We don't know exactly why Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston, but it's a good bet he wasn't thrilled that they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Makes sense. Quarterbacks are under a lot of pressure to win. They want the best guys around them, and now they're not afraid to say it. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. He just felt it was not inclusive to everyone in the community. By the way, the Nets and Knicks will welcome fans back, allowing 10% capacity at their arenas starting February 23rd. And the NFL, Ravens offensive lineman Orlando Brown is reportedly seeking a trade, and it also comes with some demands. He only wants to play left tackle from here on out. I'm Brian Fenley. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Our number dose here on the 1069 The Fan, FM, 1390 AM. Eric and I'm also streaming on 1069thefan.com. And on the mobile app, the 106 on the Fan uh, mobile app, that is, where you can text in from the mobile app itself. Uh, episodes and podcasts are now up on all platforms, so you should have them there. We've got that fixed. Thank goodness. That was a uh, kind of a pain. Glad we got it fixed. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you don't understand, Eric. You don't understand. Uh, 
If you want to text into the show, 435-339-0321. Got a really, really good segment coming up here. Uh, always good to hear from the athletic, athletic director of Utah State. That would be Mr. John Hartwell, uh, who's been incredibly busy. Uh, a lot of good questions to ask him, too. Um, there are questions about basketball, questions about athletics as a whole. He's got to be pleased with what he's seen and what he's, uh, what's been going on. The fan attendance has been wonderful for men's basketball games, despite uh, you know COVID restrictions and such. Uh, Tickets have been selling well, and so we'll get his thoughts and uh, on that and much, much, much more with uh, Mr. Hartwell coming up here in just a couple minutes. Uh, we got a text in. I don't know if we got this uh, from our, what went wrong Wednesday from nine three one five. Okay, what went wrong was Cowboys of Wyoming not supposed to be nanny pampered and show up in Logan. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There could be some questions about that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then and also, New Mexico and Colorado State were supposed to uh, get it on with their series. And about 30 minutes before game time, uh, New Mexico had to opt out because uh, one of their assistant coaches had been around someone who was tested positive and was having symptoms. The players and staff all felt fine. In fact, they all tested negative. Um, but due to, as what they say, uh, cautionary reasoning, for COVID-19 reasons that they would uh, postpone this series. And so, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, it is going to be a very, very busy open week after the regular season finale against Nevada on February 28th. Right. So some teams have like three games that didn't happen. New Mexico, or, uh, yeah, New Mexico will have as many as four, four, yeah, five. Uh, I mean, the, the entire San Diego series, this Colorado State series. Um, so how do those teams make the decide which games to make up? Where do they get made up? Uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, why games are, are getting postponed or, or canceled, uh, and how you manage what takes place during that uh, open week. And then how does it affect seating for the upcoming conference, uh, tournament? So you know, those will all be questions that we'll be asking John Hartwell here in just a moment. But there's other like sports that are just starting now that normally are in the fall, but they weren't. They didn't take place in the fall. They got shifted, like notably volleyball uh, for Utah State. Normally that's a fall sport. Uh, now it's been shifted to the spring just to get things more under control. And uh, they collectively, the conference decided to change things and move things up. So, you know, how are those things going with uh, football season? Got through that. Um, we're in most of the way through basketball season. Both men's and women's have had different issues with uh, games having to be postponed and potentially made up. Uh, gymnastics is starting. So a lot of different things that are going on with Utah State University in the middle of all this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, numbers are coming down. Um, you know, we're seeing a decline in case counts. We're seeing a decline in positivity. We're seeing an increase of people getting the vaccinations. These are all really good things. Uh, in fact, this is not just related to Utah State and us here, but like the state of New York is opening things up more. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks will start allowing fans very, very soon. So we're seeing more NBA venues open up and starting to allow fans in. These are all really good things to see progress being made that uh, the, the protocols are being followed, there is a way to do it to keep people safe, to keep the players safe, and still have the games played. Um, and so how that is working in, in a professional realm versus how it's working in a 
quote-unquote amateur realm uh, is uh, interesting. Some of the, the differences and similarities uh, between both. But um, uh, it's an interesting world that we're in, Najee. We're going to be so happy when this is all behind us. But uh, you can't give enough props and credit to the people that are trying to do their best to make this work to the best of their ability to still make it so that these games can happen so these athletes are safe and that they are healthy and they're able to train and practice and travel it's a it's a huge undertaking to make sure like just consider even the travel like people on a bus or on a plane like where do they sit uh, and who are you near when you do your your individual workouts it's all about contact tracing and trying to limit as many potential contacts as possible. So it's what a headache to try to figure all that out. I can't imagine what some of these people are trying to do to make sense of it and, and make it work for these teams. Yeah, yeah and one of those guys is uh, having to be at the, kind of the head of it for Utah State men's basketball in that situation is uh, Mr. John Hartwell, the athletic director for Utah State Athletics, joins us here on the Full Court Press. John, thanks for joining us. Good to have you. Yeah, good to be here, guys. How are y'all this afternoon? Uh, we're doing well. We're Thanks. Uh, hey, quick question for you. Uh, reports yesterday said that Boise State was uh, looking to have fans uh, at their games for uh, next week's series, or at least for game one against the Aggies. Uh, did you guys fight that, or how did that process go? How did you hear about it, and what was your response? Yeah, we were we were asked about it uh uh, I guess it was two nights ago. Well, I had a message and then I got an email request, uh, and as did UNLV, who was playing there this week. And, and at the end of the day, it wasn't about not being around fans. Our, our challenge, uh, you know, just as everybody in our league and everybody around the country is facing, you know, it, it made no sense at all for us to go to Boise to play in two different arenas. I mean, again, we're we're trying to to stay as protected and as much. I mean, I know that's an overused term, but in the bubble as possible. And and you know, I understand their desire to have fans. And you know, they they were asking to play in Nampa, which obviously is a different county, different guidelines. But it made absolutely no sense to us to say, hey, we're going to go and play Wednesday night in one arena just so we can have some fans, and then we're going to go play uh at the extra mile arena on on friday night and we just said and uh, you know i i talked also to to unlv about it and both of us just said no that 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 makes no sense john let me ask you what what's that relationship like with the conference on those types of of discussions does the does the conference involve do you have discussions with the office there in, in colorado springs or is it just kind of left up to each team to figure this out well they they help to, to facilitate the conversations and, and at the end of the day, you know, a request like that. I mean, if it was to change, you know, a tip time from 7 p.m. to 6 p.m. or something like that, um, you know, there we have a, a process to go through to do that. And, and you know, normally no, no problem with stuff like that. But a total t- change in the venue um, a week out and, and a venue that, uh, has not hosted any – they've hosted some events in there uh, since COVID began, but no collegiate events. And, and clearly the guidelines and, and restrictions are, uh, you know, significant and, and different, uh, you know, probably more stringent in, in collegiate athletics than in, say, 
you know, a knife show or, you know, some of the other things that they've had in there. Um, so, uh, it, we just did not think it was a good idea. Um, and, and, you know, we let, uh, Boise know that as UNLV let them know that too. And, uh, so, so those both of those games next week will be at uh, Extra Mile Arena. John, you got to feel for this USU men's basketball team, even the women's basketball team as well. They've had three games canceled now, uh, or postponed, I should say. The men's now have had three games postponed. They've played one game in three weeks. Uh, how tough has it been for Craig Smith, his staff, and the players? Uh, and how can these games get made up, or can they be made up in that open week after the regular season? You know, Ajay, uh, if I could sum it up, I would just say it's a grind. It's a grind on the coaching staff. It's a grind on the players. Uh, it's it's a grind on administration. I, I have uh, spent a significant number of hours yesterday and today trying to help them find another game. I mean, we were trying to find another game to play uh, Friday night. We, you know, uh, preferably a home game. Uh uh, and and we would have to play it Friday night because we have a home gymnastics meet on Saturday. Uh, but even you know look, looked at the opportunity to potentially even go on the road, and it it's been it's been a grind. I mean, obviously doing doing things you know forty eight hours out from a game or so is is tough enough. But then the COVID restrictions and you know uh, teams coming from different states and you know it. Um, you know, clearly our team wants to play. You know, when we go to play uh, in Boise next Wednesday, uh, that will be only our second game in a 21-day stretch. Uh, so that's, you know, not ideal. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. But at the same time as, you know, Craig and I have had multiple conversations and, you know, there's, there's frustration there. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, we... For the sake of competition, uh, we we can't risk, you know, further COVID exposure because it's not just a team that you're playing, but hey, who has that team played in the last 48 hours uh, as well? So uh, it it is a matrix that uh, changes by the hour and uh, is not easy. But but at the same time, you know, and and Craig is totally focused on this, and we're all focused on this. Hey, what gives us the best opportunity um, to stay safe, to be successful, and to all? It's it's all about making it to Indianapolis, and in, uh, you know, come come this time next month. So, if I if I ask John, what kind of uh, what kind of percentage would you put out there on the likelihood of a game still happening this week? Uh, I'd put it between slim and none. Now, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you if you ask Hours ago, we still had a couple of things we were working on. I, I say slim and none. I should asterisk that because we don't know here in the next two hours. You know, a lot of teams are testing literally every day what may pop up and, and somebody that was scheduled for a game. Um, here, here's one, you know, uh, Idaho State is scheduled to play Idaho. If all of a sudden two hours from now Idaho comes back and says they can't play for whatever reason, then yeah, we'll we'll call our friends in Pocatello to see if we can't figure something out. But I, I just think you know within a forty-eight hour window, it's going to be really difficult unless it's you know somebody in really close proximity. Uh, John, I know I asked you this last March, and I just wanted to follow up on it. Uh, we had asked about Craig Smith if there was a chance that we could get an extension put together. Has there been an extension put together, and for how long is that, if I may ask? Yeah, so so we put together a, an extension that was uh, 
sign back before the new year. Uh, and, and really what it did is, uh, uh, it basically, even at the end of this year, he'll have five more years left on his deal. It was really a six year deal. Um, we, you know, we really didn't cause there were so many other things going on. We really didn't publicize it, but, but obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> we believe in Craig and, you know, every day, literally, uh, that guy amazes me, you know, and, and, uh, just some dialogue between he and I, and he and I are both kind of late night people. So we, we often have conversations via text or on phone calls, you know, late, uh, you know, 1130 midnight when most other sane people have gone to bed. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I just, I sent him a text the other night, just thanking him because his, you know, being able to navigate all of this, uh, you know, the positivity of that guy, is unbelievable. He he's a guy that even if given lemons, he makes lemonade, and that's infectious. That's infectious to his staff. That's infectious to his players. That's infectious to everybody. And and you know, there's there's that quiet confidence. Well, I I can't use the word quiet. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not even realistic. But there's that confidence, you know, and and. The guys, his staff believes in him. His student athletes believe in him. Even when we get down, there's never a sense of, of panic or anything because he handles everything in such a positive manner. And that, that's been great through this because it's, like I said, it's, it's been a grind. Um, but, you know, he, he's let's plow through, let's plow through. Even, I mean, we we're on the phone 30 minutes ago and probably what it, this date and hour was probably our last opportunity for for friday kind of fell through and he said hey we'll, we'll figure this out let's go so i mean it, you know obviously uh not not the ideal situation but he he's always uh let's plow through it and let's make the best of it usu director of athletics john hartwell joins us here on the fan and uh, i, I want to get back to something that ajay brought up i don't it, we kind of got off on a few other things but when it comes to that open week for basketball and trying to make up games. How does that work for Utah State? Now, three games will need to, that weren't on the schedule that will need to be made up. Clearly, you can't play three games in one week. So how does that work on trying to fill those games and who ultimately decides what games get played and, and where? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So we continue to have at least twice-weekly ADs calls, uh, the regularly scheduled days are, are Monday and Thursday, but we, we've <laughs> had them more frequently since then. But I, I believe all 11 basketball-playing athletic directors in our league and, and the conference office are all in agreement that, that the overall arching or the overarching philosophy has got to be, you know, when we go to make-up games, not every game is going to be able to get made up but we've got to make up games that give us the greatest opportunity to have the most, the maximum number of teams advance to NCAA play. And again, no, nobody knows, uh, you know, uh, what the outcome of those games is going to be in advance, but what makes the most sense? Does it, you know, does it make sense for a top 50 when, when there are choices to be made and you make a great point, it's not realistic that we're going to make up three games in the, in the last week of, uh, uh, in this, you know, that cushion week, if you will, but what games give Utah state 
and give the Mountain West the best opportunity to have the most teams uh, in Indianapolis. You know, obviously our AQ, the, the automatic qualifier, goes to the winner of the tournament. But, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have a top 50 net team, which we've currently got four of those, to be playing somebody that's a 250 or 275 or 300 net. Winning that game home, on the road, neutral site, wherever, that's not going to do anything to move the needle. What's going to do things to move the needle is to try to make games that are against the highest RPI teams. And, and quite frankly, that could change significantly over the next 10 days. So we're, I shouldn't say we're in a holding pattern, but we collectively as the Mountain West membership kind of in a holding pattern right now. And I think as we get to the middle or towards the end of next week, um, you're, you're going to see um, you know, some scenarios played out to see uh, which ones of those games are the most important to, to make up. And just as a quick follow-up to that, there's clearly there will be teams uh, in the conference who have uh, will will not have played the same number of games. So uh, the seeding for the conference tournament itself will that just be based on winning percentage within conference to determine the the, the seeding and how that works? Well, there's about a four-page document that we, that we have gotten that's uh, uh, that goes into the depths of those tie-breaking things, and it's not uh, its not necessarily winning percentage, per se, especially if you've got uh, teams that are tied. Uh, it's a pretty elaborate formula, but it's one that, uh, oh, I guess it may have even been before we even started conference play, so back in December sometime, uh, that the athletic directors uh, worked in, in conjunction with the league office to, to develop and, and then ultimately to, uh, to give the blessing to. So, but yeah, it, it is, uh, you know, it, if there's one or two games difference, usually the winning percentage, uh, you know, in terms of total number of games played, uh, usually uh, that works out, you know, decently. It's when you have a five or six game variance in the total number of games played uh, that it could really get tricky. Uh, last question for me, and uh, before we let you go, um, but non-basketball question here. Uh, we were seeing that gymnastics is a top 25 program. Uh, some track and field uh, sports are highly rated right now for Utah State. Uh, volleyball normally happens in the fall. It's happening now. Uh, how is the, the athletic department handling uh, some of these other, I mean, basketball gets highly publicized for how COVID comes into uh, an affecting games and competition and practice. But how is it working out with some of these other sports and these other programs at Utah State Athletics? Yeah, uh, obviously a busy spring semester. 15 of our 16 sports uh, are in season, if you will, in terms of competition. And the 16th being football, obviously they're busy with uh, training. And then we'll uh, kick off. Um, they'll kick off spring practice here, literally in about a month. I think it's March fifteenth. So uh, you know, we we test. Uh, you know, and and the NCAA has has set up various uh, levels of risk: high, moderate, and low, based on the sport. Uh, fortunately, a lot of our outside sports 
are moderate to lower risk. So really, uh, basketball, uh, men's, women's basketball and volleyball are our, um, you know, only sports that are required right now to test three times a week. But with all the testing going on, with all of the, the games and practice going on, uh, our sports medicine staff, Mike Williams and his staff, who do an outstanding job, uh, they, they, are, uh, they don't have a whole lot of spare time, nor do you know, our facilities guys, guys like D.J. Ekman or uh, Doug Hoffman and his staff. So uh, we, we've got a lot of moving parts right now. Uh, knock on wood uh, outside of basketball uh, and, and these recent three games. Uh, we haven't had anybody else lose competitions yet, but but inevitably, you know, and and that's uh, that that's some of the advice that we've given to our coaches and our student athletes. You just got to kind of roll with it. Inevitably, you know, uh, probably every sport this spring that is competing is going to get touched by you know a, a canceled game or a postponed game or match uh, due to COVID, whether it's us or or the, our opposition. It's just uh, uh, mathematically almost impossible for that not to happen based on, uh, you know, the number of, of infections there still are. You know, the good news is uh, we're trending downwards uh, in the total numbers in Utah and in Cache Valley and uh, hopefully in the near future sometime before the end of the spring semester, we can get our, uh, you know, uh, our student athletes and our coaches uh, vaccinated. And, and so I, I think we're trending in a positive direction, but we're, we're not out of the woods uh, in, in this yet. And, and if you would have told me uh, 11 months ago when this whole thing started that we would still be in the predicament we are now, uh, it's probably better I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, last question for hey, me, uh, John, is you got a chance to celebrate uh, Coach Hart's birthday, a little bit of a small celebration, but with you and your family. Uh, can you talk about the impact that Coach Hart's had? I know that they, haven't, they don't have the record she was open for, but the impact he's had, at least in a positive way, upon these players. Yeah, you, you talk about uh, positive energy, and, uh, you know, it's almost a trifecta in the, in, the Estes, um, in the Estes facility with Rob and volleyball and Craig and men's basketball and obviously Kayla. All three of those coaches, high energy, highly positive, uh, you know, and, and again, uh, our, our volleyball team uh, in two matches against Wyoming last weekend, you know, in that that first match on Friday against a Wyoming team that has finished, you know, second in our league, I think the last two years really good. And, and our volleyball team came out and, and played really well, did, did not get the end result they wanted, but you can see them trending in the positive direction as you can with, with women's basketball. And, you know, that's part of, part of the job as an athletic director and administrator, uh, especially when you have a first-time head coach. Uh, that that is so, and they're so competitive and so driven, and that's part of the reason why they've been successful as an assistant coach. And I know they'll be successful as a head coach. You just got to sometimes, you know, love them up a little bit and, and tell them, hey, it's don't don't worry about it. It's trending in the right direction. And so, you know, that that's uh, that's all part of it. But you know, both Kayla and Rob doing a great job. Yeah, we Kayla's birthday is today, and uh, they were leaving today to go to Wyoming. Uh, and, you know, being a, a South Louisiana Cajun, and my wife makes some of the best gumbo on the planet. Uh, she cooked gumbo, and, and we had some, some king cake since next Tuesday is uh, 
Mardi Gras Tuesday. Uh, we had a, had a king cake uh, flown in from New Orleans. So, yeah, she got a little, nice. little down home. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Mr. Harwell, we thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate you. Best wishes and stay safe. Guys, thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you. John Hartwell, Director of Athletics for Utah State University. Um, really interesting stuff there. Great answers. Um, Some tough questions, too. The chance of having a, a game this weekend has to be Friday. can't be Saturday. Slim to none with an asterisk. Slim to none. But there is an asterisk. I love that answer. That's such a great answer. Because it can it could change so quickly. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and take a break. Come back. We'll get – we'll kind of – collaborate his thoughts comments we'll talk about that uh we'd love to hear from you 435-339-0321 his stuff about the tournament was whoa that blew my mind yeah how about that a little bit different than i thought it would go yes Uh, but it's a good answer so we'll get into that much much more if you want to join the show and and share your comments and thoughts 435-339-0321 it's the full court press on the fan this is the herd with colin cowherd 43 year old tom brady in a super bowl 68. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the Fan. Big thanks to Mr. John Hartwell, Director of Athletics for Utah State University, for joining us here on the Full Court Press. Spent a uh, good amount of time with us answering some really intriguing questions. Uh, for me, Eric, what stood out to me, um, like you, is the uh, comments about the Mountain West Conference scheduling and how you would schedule for to benefit you and the Mountain West Conference to get teams in to go to Indianapolis for the 68-team tournament. Yeah, originally we were under the impression that schools – it would go to their priority. Like, who do you want to try to make a game happen in that open week? Uh, What benefits you the most? What's, according to your situation, who would you want to, to, uh, to try to make up your game with? But John Hartwell seems to indicate that it may not be quite that simple. The Mountain West is looking at really trying to game the system for the top teams. Which is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just bluntly, like, look, we've got to do what we can to continue to improve the resume and the uh, basically the, the opportunity for these teams to make it to Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament. That's what's best for the overall conference. Now, but when you look at Utah State, games they need to make up, games against uh, Wyoming and the Cowboys currently are at 190 in the net rankings, or Fresno State, who's at 217. So it's not like Utah State has like a bad opponent, real bad opponent to to make up. Colorado State, on the other hand, are they going to want to make up their games against New Mexico, who's who is a bad opponent? Yeah, this is where things kind of get intriguing. Like, how do you handle that? Uh, how do you make sure that you don't play a bottom feeder team to hurt your chance of going to the tournament, or at least, to, but one that will build your resume? The other thing I liked, and we brought this up just before we went to break on this segment, uh, <laughs> the slim to none, but there's an asterisk there in case anything miraculous happens that we can get a team to play this Friday. And he said they want a home game on Friday night. Now, you're asked why not Saturday, because Friday night, 
uh, or Saturday night, they have a gymnastics meet at home. Yes. So we'll just play the Friday night game. And that could be, I mean, if it's Idaho State, if it's Idaho, whoever has an open date, if they can get them to come here, that'd be the best solution to the problem. Right. And it's it's so complicated. Like, who who did you, who have you played recently? Are they okay? Did you come in yeah. contact with the team yeah, that now has a, has a positive case? Um, are you, how far away are you traveling? Like if you're looking at the West coast conference, for example, in another state. Um, so, wow. Sounds like they've been on the phone. They've been trying to make it happen since (laughs) Wyoming Wyoming backed out. out. Let's make that very clear. Wyoming backed Backed out, out. uh, Tuesday morning. And so that athletic department, uh, Craig Smith and John Hartwell have been working really hard to try to find another team because otherwise one, only one game in a, Three week span. That's t- that's tough for anybody. They get that they really need to try to find a game, and maybe it's a, against a lower lower division. It's a, that's a possibility too. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, a, a division one. But certainly, to John's point earlier, that look, they're trying to figure out. They got to find a, an opponent that can help them with their net ranking that they think they can win and who'd be willing to come to Logan. So. That starts to narrow it down quite a bit with who may be available out there. Yeah. Yeah, really. um... But talking about trying to set it up so that the top teams in the conference can improve their resume the best in that open week, that's what really surprised me the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and not only that, there was uh, uh, about Craig Smith. We asked about his contract extension. Uh, He said it has been extended for five more years. That uh, they had signed something, I believe, at just before the end of the new or before the end of the year, uh, but didn't make it public because there was other things going on. Um, and uh, but uh, yeah, he's been extended uh, for you know five or so more years. Will it be enough to keep him here? That's the question now. That's where but saying. it's good to know that there is a contract extension. Yep. Yeah, like Hartwell's not dumb. He's not going to be like, well, no, you know what? Get that, done. that guy's so good. He's not going to come back. We know how this goes. No, Hartwell's going to put his effort into it to keep his guys. Like he wants to take care of his guys and uh, and his coaches and and his staff and such. And that's why I know he was smart enough to reach out and say, hey, let's put something together. Uh, they did, and it uh, and I, hopefully it's enough to to cope keep. To keep Coach Smith here for a while, we'd love to have him. I was th- I also thought it was interesting about how will seeding take place for the Mountain West Conference tournament. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, Help me on this one. Explain it, freaks. I kind of missed it. Uh, four pages of documents yeah. that determine <laughs> that will determine what that seeding looks like. I mean, right now, uh, if you look at the standings, uh, Utah State's number one. They're eleven and two. Colorado State's eleven and three. But right there, that tells you Colorado State's played more games. Than the Aggies, and that's how it's going to be. There will be an inequality and an unequal amount of games in the standings. Some teams will have played more than others. You can't make up three games in one week for Utah State in the open week, and that's assuming every other game on the schedule happens as planned. Mm-hmm. But there are teams that have played more games than others. San Diego State is eight and three. Boise State is ten and three. So in conference standings. Boise is a full game ahead of San Diego State, even though they, both of them only have three losses. Colorado State is 11-3. All those teams only have three losses, but Colorado State, they're a full game and a half ahead of San Diego State. Wow. So it's not about winning percentage so much as it is apparently a lot of other factors that they'll, they will look at. And 
so complicated to try to figure out what that seating is ultimately going to look like. That's why if you're Utah State, do whatever you can to can. stay on top. Yep, absolutely. Stay out of the rest of the the mess that's going to happen for everybody else. Yeah, if you can, and that's what you go take care of business next week. You're in pretty darn good shape going down the stretch to the final two games against Nevada. In fact, you're in really good shape because guess what? San Diego State gets to host Boise State, so while they get to duke it out, uh, you can clean up the guts and whatever. Come Mountain West Conference tournament time when we get there. So uh, it it stands out to be a, a pretty pitcher for Utah State if they can take care of business next Wednesday and Friday versus Boise State. Which brings me up to my final thought. Uh, which was very clear and obvious to us uh, when asked about the Boise State wanting fans and Utah State saying no. It, it just doesn't make any sense to go from one arena one night to another arena the next night or two days later. Um, and, and now, you know, you got Boise people saying, well, he just didn't want to play with fans because it's home court advantage. No, it makes like total sense. You don't want to go from Nampa, Idaho to play in this Idaho Center one night and then go play an extra mile arena for Friday night for game two. Play in one place, one time, and if it's extra mile arena, then that's fine. Right. If Boise State wants to have fans and they need to relocate to a new arena in a different county to do it, then that's what they should do and stay there. Make it, you go through all of the, the protocols that are necessary to make it a safe venue for visiting teams to be there that can properly bring fans in and out of the venue safely, and that's fine. You want to have fans and you have to relocate to a different place to do it, okay, That I can't hold anybody against that. But to say we're going to do one game there and another game somewhere else, that, that just is silly. If yeah, you want to relocate to the Ford Idaho Center, that's fine, but stay but, there. You know what? That's a Don't great go job back and forth. by the athletics team to go out and call them out as conference and tell Boise State, shove it. No, well, they, we're going to play your games in concert with UNLV. This wasn't just Utah State. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Is that like, the flag that they communicated no. with 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 everybody? They even went to UNLV and said, "What are your thoughts?" And they said, "Well, this is a joke. We ain't doing it either." Like, I love it. I I, I know Boise State fans are just going to peg Utah State because that's what they do. But yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it was the right way to do it, and I'm glad uh, Mr. Hartwell stuck up for Utah State and said, "No, we're." We're not going to bend to your guys, you know, bend on our knee for you guys and and do as you plead and as you ask. That's not how we do it here. So, uh, and again, the report that I've heard is that uh, Boise State felt like they were throwing a quote unquote hissy fit. That's just that's incredible. Uh, it's that's uh, that's amazing. So, uh, but yeah, that's Mr. Hartwell's uh, interview is now posted on our podcast, so you can find it. It should be there uh, where you can. Uh, now listen to it right now. Well, actually, wait till after we're done with the show, and then you can listen to it. Yes. At dinner table. You can listen to it with your family and your kids. On your drive home. On your drive home. On your commute the next day. That's a long drive home if you have it, though. No, that was a fun interview. No, it was and, great, and thank but, you to look, him. There was a lot more that I wanted to, to ask. Uh, we didn't get to. We had a limited time frame, uh, so uh, apologize that we couldn't get cover more bases. Uh, 9463 texted in during the interview. Can you ask about the hiring process for Coach Anderson, how they came to pick him as a candidate? I would have loved to have asked that. Um, we'll have him on in, in a future time. Maybe when we get closer we can, to football season, we'll hit that topic. Well, and even him. near the end of the uh, academic athletic season, we usually try to oh, have, yeah, we try to get him, kind have of him state on. Of the Utah State address. Yeah. Kind of recap the past year that was. So uh, th- that would be a great question to ask at that time. Sorry we couldn't get that in. I wanted to ask some football questions too, but I thought with what's going on this week and right now, that 
took precedence. So I, I, did I hope wanna, you forgive us for I not did want to ask about situational punting. Uh, is he a watermelon kicker? Or is he like to kick the banana style? I mean, that, that's one of my main questions I would have loved to ask. So maybe next it's time. It's always, always high on the list <laughs> of All questions right. you should never ask. Curious, George. I'm curious. Oh, golly, I love this. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we need to talk some Region 11 basketball as well. Yeah, got some Uh, games tonight. Yeah, got some games tonight. And then speaking of basketball, Wayne Estes uh, had passed away uh, how many years ago this week? 56 years ago on Monday. Um, And there's so much incredible audio, uh, which I still think you can find on our, what's it called, our podcast um, a Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, where we actually posted everything, like the interview from Al Lewis. The, oh, and did the, you post the that recently? What's that? Did you share that recently? I haven't shared it in a while. I posted it last year, but I haven't shared it in a while. I should. But yeah, it's, we had to reshare that. This but week. it's the narration from Al Lewis. It's so moving, and it is so good, and it's so reverently done uh, from uh, Al Lewis and KV and you. Uh, just really, really good stuff. So. We'll get to those conversations here coming up next on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Audrey Salson here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, and uh, 106.9thefan.com. or streaming, or I guess carrying with us, the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Hey, don't forget, the best in Northern Utah presented by Thermo Fisher is almost here. Start nominating the best businesses in Northern Utah on February 23rd. Businesses must be nominated in order to be voted on by the community for Best of Northern Utah 2021. Nominate your business for or a business you love starting February 23rd at bestofnorthernutah.com. Again, that's bestofnorthernutah.com. Again, we want to thank uh, Thermal, uh, Thermal Fisher, uh, which this uh, contest is presented by, and they are hiring currently. So if you're looking for a gig, go to Thermal Fisher and let them take care of you. This is going to be so fun. Uh, this is uh, unlike anything else that's been done, kind of similar in this area. It's going to blow everybody else away. Blow your mind. Uh, yes, it'll be open for everybody to nominate, everybody to vote. It'll be very transparent. Um, and it's going to be the way that it's going to be presented will also be unlike anything that's ever been done. So we're super excited. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next uh, couple of months, really, as uh, we do this. This isn't just some quick thing where a couple of people get together and we all decide who we like. No, this is, uh, we need everybody's participation to make it really the best. To really recognize the best. So, yeah, we're excited. Super excited. Uh, also excited to reflect back on Wayne Estes. Yeah. This was a guy that, you know what, had uh, that tragedy not occurred, he would have been, he was on track to be a great NBA prospect. The Lakers were looking at him. The Lakers loved him. They wanted him. He was averaging 33.7 points per game, 13.7 rebounds per game. Dominant force. Now, this was back in an era where freshmen didn't play. So what he did was as a sophomore, junior, and senior. 20 points his sophomore season, 28 points a game his junior, 33.7 points a game his senior season before it was cut short. This guy would have changed the face of Utah State Athletics. 
and uh, would have been a huge um, feather in the cap of USU. Uh, kind of like what Merlin Olson did for football, Wayne Nessus would have had that opportunity for basketball. Professional player oh, it just makes at me the sick, highest level. Man. Cut short, uh, was just trying to help somebody. Did something that really nobody should do. Bent down, picked up a downed power line to try to move it. And uh, it you know, killed him right there. And he had, a, on the night that he had one of his biggest nights yeah, in the Nelson Fieldhouse. Was it 40-something points? Is that what he scored? I thought it was remember? close to 50. Was it close to 50? But an incredible, uh, incredible sick, player. Man. I mean, imagine that, Eric. Those Laker teams back in that day were... Sorry, it was 48. It was 48. 48. Thank you. And he just passed the 2,000-point mark of his career. Those Laker teams back in his day were legit. I mean, you're talking Jerry West. You're talking... Uh, is it Wilt Chamberlain, right? Or Kareem? I think it was Wilt Chamberlain, I think, was back then in that part of that crew. Oh, uh, Rick Barry. Rick Barry. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, just some incredible talent. And Wayne Estes. Wayne Estes was going to be on that squad. Oh, it makes me just, man. And, and again, it's, it's, it's only appropriate that his uh, number hangs in the, uh, in the rafters of the spectrum. Um, that they, I, I love the reverent moment they had for him last year. I thought Utah State University did a tremendous job with that night on Wayne Estes night. I thought it was phenomenal. The only one who could have screwed it up did screw it up uh, in the referees. I thought Spalding was absolutely wonderful in his job of just messing everything up at the worst time possible. <laughs> and not to mention he gave Craig Smith a tech, which was awesome too. <laughs> it's just, oh man. Uh, it would have been awesome to see Sam Merrill you know, passing that on, on such a special night, but it yeah. is what it is. But again, uh, a tribute to Wayne Estes. I, I'm going to look up that, uh, that audio that I posted on our, uh, our podcast. I'll look it up and I'll share it on Twitter. Um, like Al, the way Al narrates it just makes you stop what you're doing and it stops the world right there around you and you listen to it. And it just, right. We, we whew, owe it. I get chills. We owe a debt of gratitude for Al Lewis putting it together many, many years ago. But we also owe a, a, maybe even a bigger debt of gratitude to Vic Saunders. Oh, yeah. That's put right. put a tape in Vic, that yeah. night That's right. as it was happening on the radio that's and right. recorded it. I remember. He hit me up on Twitter about that. So that's because of that, that's why we have an audio archive of what that did. Because Al used the, uh, the original audio from that night with Reed Andreessen um, doing the play-by-play. And uh, Al uh, narrated it, but uh, thanks to Vic Saunders for actually putting a tape cassette in his uh, in a recorder that night and actually rolled on it. So uh, we have uh, we have the audio now, thankfully digitally, but um, now it's in our archives. Eight nine six eight. If it were all possible, it would be good if Utah State basketball could pick up one game with someone just to get the rest off. Slim to none with an asterisk around it for Friday's hope. If that's what you're, uh, if that's what you're referring to, that's that's what that's according, and that's in the words of Mr. John Hartwell, the director of athletics for Utah State. Uh, and then he also texted him, what Wayne, uh, or excuse me, what Wayne Estes did was done in way less than years. Wait, was done in way less, in way less than years. I'm sorry, am I reading this right? What Wayne Estes did was done in way less than years. That's true. Okay, so yeah, it took him like 
what? I mean, he was a freshman, right? Well, well, back then, freshmen didn't play. Oh, yeah, that's true. So what he did was in his sophomore, junior, and senior years, um, he was uh, the second leading scorer in the country that year before he died, just behind Rick Barry. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was a phenomenal player. What he did it, right, it was in a fewer, a shorter amount of time than what a lot of other people yeah, today absolutely. do. And he, with his skill and his ability, he would have played as a freshman if he played in the game today. Absolutely. Oh, heavens gracious, yes, absolutely. So one of the best, uh, we tip our caps to the great Wayne Estes. So February 8th, 1965, he was 21 years old. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, I'm Ajay Salveson here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan, uh, high school basketball, Region 11, starting to wrap up its time in region play. They've... Uh, Believe it or not, got three games left, or I guess four games left to reach and play before they uh, they get ready for the state tournament. So here's what your schedule looks tonight. And again, you can find this. No, you cannot find it. Right this here on. by listening to us. You can, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, no, I, I mean, you can find it on CatchValleyDaily.com. The story that I put together about the latest RPI rankings. Oh, there you go. It'll have the schedules for both the boys and the girls for this week on it. Okay, sweet. So here you go. Uh, Bear River is at Ridgeline. Uh, so you hear that game? Is that right? Yeah, but yep. at Ridgeline. So you hear that game on 104.5 The Ranch. Yep. Right? And for then, the Ridgeline coverage, 104.9 The Ranch in Box Charlotte County for the uh, uh, Bear River coverage. I'm just going to turn this over to you after this. Uh, Skyview is at Logan, so you can hear that on 610 AM KVNU, and on this very station, 106 on the fan. Al Lewis will be on the call. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Green Canyon is hosting Mountain Crest, which would be, help me here, Eric. Uh, that'll be on 100.9 FM and on 107.7 FM. Craig Hislop will be on the call. Craig will do a great job. Uh, streaming options are still available? Uh, yes. Okay. Awesome. That's what I like. I like to, I like to listen to the stream usually, um, if I'm at home having dinner. So that, that's always fun to do. But, uh, it's been, it's been good so far. And already, Eric, we're down to four games left. Yeah, and uh, it's a it's a big week uh, this week. Now the the games on schedule uh, tonight, um, yeah, they're all they're all big. But uh, when we get down to these uh, games for the next couple of weeks, as the uh, schedule has flipped to different locations now compared to where they were earlier, uh, really excited to see how it um, kind of closes out. And the girls have had some really exciting games too. You can go see those photo galleries on CashValleyDaily.com. Great great races there with the girls too. All right, so we got Chunk here on the line. We're going to close it up with Chunk's phone call. Chunk, what do you got for us here on the Full Court Press? Just wanted Eric to know that Wayne Estes didn't bend down and pick up a power line. The power line was sagging. He was the only guy tall enough for it to hit, hit him in the head. Oh, that's yeah, right. It, he I, I was going to say, it. I thought he brushed it with his head when he was walking by to help. That's right. That's right. Thank you for the clarification and setting me straight. I appreciate that. Yep, uh, big Wayne has to stand. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank Thanks you, Chuck. Appreciate it. That will do it for tonight's edition of the Full Court Press. We'll talk to you on a Thursday to recap everything that happened over the night.